Welcome to episode number 137 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. In this episode, I will be talking with Anne Tomalavage, a licensed professional engineer who has spent the last 20 plus years training engineering professionals on how to become great project managers. And in fact, she's going to be the lead instructor for our new Project Management Accelerator PM Skills course, which launches next month here at EMI. And we're thrilled. You can find out more about that at projectmanagementaccelerator.com. But more on that later. In today's episode, we're going to talk to Anne about just that, about some of the keys to becoming a great project manager, but also the role of a PM in consulting. It's like, you know, that day that you go from engineer to project manager, what really changes? One of the things that Ann talks about, which is really interesting, is she did a talk recently and she pulled the audience on what are things that the company wants to see in their project managers and what are things that the clients want to see in their project managers. And the results of that poll were very interesting. And she also talks about something that happened to her in terms of her greatest manager later on in the hot seat. One thing that none of her other managers did that I thought was really interesting. So this episode's packed with things that I think will be helpful for you in your development as an engineer, or if you're trying to develop a group of engineers into project managers. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as an engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers and... To this day, I still have a blast doing it every single day. Before we get started, this is a free show and our sponsors help us keep it free. So we ask that you please support them. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode. A big thank you to EMI sponsor, Mazer Consulting, a privately owned multidiscipline engineering firm with 950 employees and 32 offices nationwide and growing fast. Mazer Consulting's engineers, planners, surveyors, landscape architects, and environmental scientists provide professional services to a diverse client base across the public and private sectors. Headquartered in New Jersey, with projects coast-to-coast, Mazer's offices are strategically positioned to provide comprehensive services to meet their clients' needs. Mazer Consulting is committed to the success of their clients and employees. I want to thank Mazer Consulting for extending their sponsorship into 2020. They have been very supportive of our content, and I will tell you more about Mazer Consulting a little later on in the episode. I also want to make an announcement here. I mentioned this before, and earlier on some of our podcasts, we are excited to be launching the Project Management Accelerator PM Skills course next month in March of 2020. Some of you may know that we already have been running a course entitled the Engineering Management Accelerator People Skills course which is focused on helping engineers and technical professionals develop their people skills. This sister course will focus more on the project management skills that you'll need to become that great project manager, which Anne is going to talk about today. And really, this is something that is important because we believe at EMI, in order to be successful, you need to have sound technical skills. You'll need to have sound people skills, but you're also going to have to have those project management skills. And that's what this course is going to focus on. Things like project scope and scope creep, scheduling basics, some of the key elements of on-time project completion, project cost estimating, project planning, how to track, assess, and adjust as your project's going, and also important communication avenues like 
kickoff meetings and things of that nature. So we're really excited to get this course going. We'll be starting in March. You can find out the details at projectmanagementaccelerator.com. And just like our EMA course, there are individual tracks. If you want to sign up, you can click the individual button and sign up on your own. There's a letter that you could seek reimbursement for on the website from your company. But if you're a company and you want to put teams in, we have a project team track as well where your team can be enrolled as a group. Exciting stuff. Check it out. We hope that you'll consider joining us. We're thrilled to have Ann on as our lead instructor of the course. Don't forget, next week is Engineers Week in the United States. Get out there, talk about engineering, You know, be thankful for your engineering colleagues. We're going to be doing an episode on our Engineering Career Coach podcast next week where we've polled engineers and we've asked them, if you're a licensed engineer, what was one of the things that surprised you most once you become licensed, something that you didn't think about? So we're excited to publish that episode next week. All right, so now to bring us into the conversation with Anne, let me just tell you a little bit more about Anne so you get to know her a bit here. Anne has walked in the shoes of the project manager. As a civil engineer, she has worked as project manager for over 35 years in top-level firms. She really developed a solid understanding of what it takes to become a world-class project manager. Anne is also the sole provider of in-person project management foundations training for the American Society of Civil Engineers nationwide and of more than 200 ASCE professionals teaching nearly 100 civil engineering topics, Anne is consistently rated among the top four of all ASCE instructors. That's really amazing. She's the best, Anne. She really is, and I'm excited to introduce her to you here through this podcast. All right, let's jump right in with Anne Tomalavich. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'd like to welcome our guest onto the Civil Engineering Podcast today, Anne Tomalavage. Anne, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to talking with you. We know that by background, you're an engineer and you've spent a lot of time as of recently doing project management training. We're excited that you're going to be doing some training for us at the Engineering Management Institute. Talk a little bit about kind of your career journey and how you got into project management and why you became so interested and passionate about it. I graduated from the University of Delaware, and my very first job was with DuPont. You know, if you live in Delaware, you work for DuPont, at least back then. I designed textile wastewater treatment plants, and I left there, worked on my master's, and then I went to work for EPA for a very short period of time. And then I worked for a company that, were, that had a contract to have me take a look at sewage treatment sludge. And the goal was to try different temperatures, different acid concentrations, and see if we could remove heavy metals from that sludge so that they could apply it to farmland, let's say, to cropland. Needless to say, nobody would come back to my lab because I worked there by myself. Then I moved on to uh, consulting engineering, and I really liked that because there was a variety of work that I did. I was there for seven years, and what I did was I worked as a project engineer on industrial wastewater treatment for all kinds of industries. So I've been to steel mills, textile mills, chemical plants, oil refineries, you name it. I was fascinated by that because I understand how things are made, you know, which I've always thought was really cool. 
I left there and went with a chemical firm for three years, not DuPont, but a different one. I worked there on permitting startup operator training for a couple of wastewater treatment plants at a brand new plant in New Jersey. And then after we got that started up, I became the corporate hazardous waste engineer. I really missed consulting. So I went back to that firm that I had been with for seven years, came back as a project manager. Now, when I was at that chemical firm for three years, that was the first time I had the title of project manager, but I pretty much was a project engineer. You know, I I didn't have to manage schedule or budget. I just had to kind of get the work done. When I came back to the consulting firm, I knew that I had really missed consulting. I was still doing industrial wastewater treatment, but now added on the hazardous waste because that was, you know, a big thing back then. At that point, we had about 3,000 employees internationally. I did have the opportunity to work in Egypt on a project for two months, but This was really the first time that I had to be budget conscious. I had to understand accounts receivable. I had to understand multipliers, getting invoices out, um, all those things. I also priced proposals, and then I had to live with them. Like all project managers in that firm, I was the one that was on the front lines with the client and also with my project team. I really had to understand what the client wanted and needed and then come back and communicate that very clearly to my project teams and motivate them to stay on budget and on schedule as well. So I had to bring in my team leadership capabilities and communications, keeping everyone informed. I have a little story about keeping everyone informed. I had huge contract to do some soil sampling for a company. They were under consent order, and our job was to do this sampling, get the the soil samples analyzed, and then write a report, send it into Department of Environmental Protection here in Pennsylvania, and then they would review it, and we'd take the next step if we needed to in sampling. I only did this once. I did not read the report before it went out the door. I didn't look at the analytical results. And the first time that I saw them and that my client saw them, my client was sitting right next to me and um, DEP chair was sitting across the table from us. And he said, do you want to tell me about this 250,000 parts per million result? And I didn't know what to say. Luckily, that client didn't say anything in the meeting. He didn't say anything to me. He just said to the DEP, we'll address that. When we went out into the hallway, I fully expected him to dress me down. And he didn't. But he did say, every now and then, I think it's important for you to look out the window and think about what's important. So that was a big lesson to me about keeping everybody in the loop. One of the things you said there, I just want to go back for a minute because 
one of the reasons that we reached out to Anne and we're going to be putting on the Project Management Accelerator PM Skills course is because this transition, Anne, from project engineer to project manager that you referenced a few minutes ago is one that is you know critical in terms of an engineer's career, in terms of engineering companies, firms that have a lot of engineers that need to make this transition. And for our listeners, who are a lot of engineers who probably are going to have to make that transition or they have, and they're still trying to get their footing what would you say is kind of the biggest difference? And you went through some of it there, but if there is an engineer out there saying, you know, I'm striving to be a project manager, what would they expect in terms of the difference between a project engineer and a project manager? What I see in a lot of companies is that they look, they say, oh, you know, Bob is our best engineer. So we'll make him a project manager. And Bob may or may not have the skills that he needs to be a good project manager, he may also feel very uncomfortable. What I see is that Bob says, well, I do have to become a project manager if I want to move up in this company, which is unfortunate because Bob may become kind of miserable (laughs) or dissatisfied or, you know, feel unprepared. And you know us engineers, Anthony, we like to be prepared. We think we can do anything. I'm not saying that a good project manager can't be a good engineer. Don't get me wrong. But I think that sometimes if someone becomes a project manager only because he's a very, very good engineer or she, or because they think that they have to become a project manager, that actually puts the company at a lot of risk, I think, because if that person doesn't have the communication skills that they need, if they don't feel comfortable managing conflict, and I'm not talking about, you know, getting out there in the parking lot and putting your dukes up or anything. I'm talking about delivering bad news to a client, like I didn't with that client that was at the DEP with me. Had I known about that bad news, had I taken the time to understand that, I certainly would have delivered. It sounds, Anne, like really, because I know a lot of civil engineers, you know, engineers in all disciplines, like you said, they do feel like they have to become a manager, a lot of them, just because it's kind of like the way it goes most of the time, unless you're staying on a purely technical track. And it does often happen that when you become really good at engineering, you then go into maybe project management. And if that goes well, then you end up with a couple of projects or a couple of people that you end up managing. It sounds like all of the things that you've talked about here so far in terms of invoicing and reviewing reports and being able to give bad news to clients and getting into the meeting with a client and maybe an agency, all of these skills are things that you're not going to be comfortable with until you actually do experience them. And you can't really be expected. Any company that expects an engineer to be comfortable with these skills, they're thrown right into management. It's not a good business strategy. It's not a good business move. You're not putting people in a position to succeed, which I assume is one of the reasons that ultimately led you to the project management training that you've done for so many years. To answer your question, I had this burning desire to mentor people about this. And I thought that the best way to do that would be to, when I was given the opportunity to do this project management training, that I thought, yeah, this is a great opportunity. Like I said, we had about 3,000 employees, offices all over the place. And at that time, I loved to travel. (laughs) 
it's not so much fun getting on a plane anymore, but back then it was, and I always liked to travel. So that was part of it. So this was with one of the companies that you worked for. They asked you to do some training for them. Yes, that was before I went out on my own 22 years ago to do, you know, what I'm doing now, which is project management training and consulting, but I was part of an internal training team. I wanted our company to continue to do better. You know, we were very good technically and very well respected and we were profitable, but my cohort of project managers and the folks who were on this project management training team, we knew that the company could be even more profitable. But not only that, some of the folks who were becoming project managers, they didn't get it and they, they got very frustrated. I did too. When I came back to this company as a project manager, I really had no idea that my job was to review what we called pre-bills. It was like a pre-invoice and then give them, we were lucky enough to have financial analysts who would help us out with that. But I had to go through my pre-bills and make sure that so-and-so wasn't charging to my project. Maybe they charged the wrong number or something like that. And then to give them to my financial analyst to make sure that the invoices got out. I remember the head of the financial analysts in my division came into my office and she said, where are your pre-bills? You've got to do that. And I said to her, I can't believe I'm admitting this, but that's not my job. And she said, yes, it is. You're a project manager. Yes, it is your job. I wanted other people to not make the same mistakes that I made. You know, I wanted to get their path to be a little smoother than mine was. I put the company at risk too, because I didn't understand this stuff. I've always been kind of like a mentor sort of person, encourager, teacher. So it was perfect fit for me. That's great. And, and the rest is history. You've been doing it now for a long time and you've trained a lot of engineers on how to be great project managers. So let's talk a little bit about, you recently gave a talk at an ACEC event on project management. I think it was related to the role of a, a project manager in consulting. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about that and some of the feedback that you got from the audience in that session. My opening remarks had to do with the fact that as engineers, we don't learn this stuff. We may learn how to design bridges, wastewater treatment plants, whatever our expertise happens to be, but we generally don't learn anything about business. We generally don't learn about leadership, things like that. We put two flip charts up in the front of the room, one that said what the firm, in other words, what you principles of engineering firms, because that's what ACEC consists of. So what is it that you want in your project managers? And then the other flip chart was, what is it that our clients want in our project managers? I'll just read these real quickly. And these are in no particular order, but what the firm wants is leadership, integrity, vision, communication, organization, technical expertise, sense of urgency. And I love this one from one of my clients, one of my long-term clients. He said, I want my project managers to learn how to be a capitalist. I love that. 
They also want their PMs to be good with people, to have a good attitude, be a team player and a negotiator. What this group thought their clients wanted in their project managers, make me look good, responsiveness, no surprises. And I gave you that example. (laughs) Yeah, no surprises. Reliable, technical knowledge, trust, and problem solver. Now, I know I read through these very quickly, but the two, the only two that are common to the two lists are technical expertise, technical knowledge. Everything else, and it's not that they're not the same, but it was the technical knowledge, technical expertise. So that the second part of what I did after we made this list was we went through and said, all right, what are the things that we definitely learned in college? So on the what the firm wants their PMs to do, certainly technical expertise, sense of urgency, and team player. And kind of learned, depending on you know what the person's role was in college, leadership and integrity and communication organization. There wasn't anything on the what our clients want other than technical knowledge that we typically learn in college, in engineering school. At the end of the episode, I'll give you the link to the show notes page and we will post the list there. And also, if you're watching this on YouTube, we'll put a link to the show notes as well. If you're listening to this and you either aspire to be a project manager or you're a developing project manager, this list that kind of Anne has accumulated for just from her audience, collected from her audience, is basically what in theory, what your firm or your supervisor wants to see in you as a project manager and what your client wants to see in you as a project manager. And again, I'll read them quickly, but leadership, integrity, vision, communication, organization, technical expertise, sense of urgency, how to be a capitalist, good with people, attitude, team player, and negotiator. And from the client side, make me look good, responsiveness, no surprises, reliable, technical knowledge, trust, and a problem solver. And I say those again, Anne, because if you want to become a great project manager, you obviously want to be the great project manager in the eyes of your company and in the eyes of your clients. And so all of these kind of traits and characteristics that we have here will help you to do that. And that must have made for an interesting conversation there, Anne. It definitely was. Something interesting that I was reflecting on while I was, you know, preparing some ideas for our talk today, when I was at the consulting firm um, and on that project management training team, we invited a client to come in at the beginning of every single one of the training sessions and, you know, several hundred over a few years. Every single time, every single one of the clients said to us, to the project managers, about what they expect, what they like about the project managers that they work with, not just our company, but any consultants. They said, the number one thing, he said, I invite you to the table because you have technical expertise. That's a given. You wouldn't even be invited to the table if you didn't have technical expertise. And every client said this. The number one thing is my chemistry with the project manager that you're proposing. It's amazing. Again, it shows how your ability to relate with people sometimes in engineering is you know, one of the most important skill sets because you and I have talked about this before. 
engineers and project managers don't work alone. Exactly. We never work alone. If you think about any one of the NASA projects, you know, there's gigantic teams, but even in some of our smaller projects, we've got to work together with other people and the client and our boss. I mean, you may feel like a team of one sometimes, but you've got to get input from other people and we're not an island. And yet I think for some engineers, that's really what attracts us to engineering is that we're very introverted generally. And, you know, we like to keep our head down. And I know there aren't drawing tables anymore, but keep our head down and do our work. We can write an equation about everything, except when people come into the mix. You don't know what the equation is going to tell you because there's no equation. You never know if you can rely on somebody who may not know what their work ethic is or what their experience is. So I do think that that's why, in terms of being a successful, let's say, engineering leader overall, it's so important that, of course, you need your technical knowledge. I mean, that was obvious in, in both when you asked about what your firm's looking for and what your client's looking for and project managers, the technical expertise was the one that showed up on both lists, showed up two times. So that's obvious that you need that component to be a successful engineering leader. But you also need, and which I think is the reason that you know Ann and I work together well, is because you need the project management skills as well, which Ann has done a lot of work on. And you need the people skills, which I've done a lot of coaching and training on. You need to put all those three things together, the technical, the project, the people. And then you can really, in my opinion, have a lot of success in the engineering world because you're going to be able to deal with different things. Now, it's almost like um, you know a hard and soft side of it. So for example, a lot of the stuff that Ann talked about earlier on in terms of things that might be eye-opening to you as a project manager that you weren't prepared for might be some of the cost estimating, some of the scheduling that you'd have to prepare, the project plan, the invoicing, things of that nature, right? Those are like hard skills that you need to learn in terms of how to prepare an invoice, how to prepare a schedule, right? And then you have on the other side, the soft skills, which Anne always says are hard to learn, but the soft skills are the communication with people, the going into a meeting and being able to run a meeting effectively, the having that conversation with a client that's very difficult to have so that you don't end up giving them bad news when it's too late. Really what we're trying to get at in this conversation is that you will need some people skills and believe me, you can develop them because we've helped a lot of engineers develop them. But at the same time, you need those fundamental skill sets of project management, like being able to know how to put together a project plan, being able to do a cost estimation that when you're out there in construction worked, and it's not you're trying to catch up on costs and things that you missed. It's about kind of a mix of those things so that you're kind of a, I don't know, a well-rounded engineer, if you will, Anne. You're absolutely right. And so that's something that we wanted to kind of capture in this conversation. And one of the other things that I wanted to ask you, because you've worked with a lot of engineering firms and, and engineering professionals in terms of becoming project managers and helping them with some of these skills that we're talking about. What would you say is one of the biggest challenges for engineers or you know maybe other technical professionals that you might have worked with or that you've seen in terms of making the transition to project manager? Like for example, is there one aspect of project management like the invoicing or the scheduling that people tend to get stuck on? Is there one surprise or one thing that people are more surprised about in terms of 
their experience as a project manager? Is there, is there one or a couple of things that jump out that you would tell people when they're making the transition to be very aware of? I think it depends on the person's personality and what they're comfortable with. Some people really are not very comfortable, let's say, public speaking. And I know this is something that you work on, Anthony, in, in your engineering management accelerators. If you happen to be the engineer of record for, let's say, a township or a city or something, you have to go to evening meetings and make presentations and be able to speak in non-engineering terms so that, let's say, the board members, the mayor, whoever it happens to be, and the public understands what it is that you're saying, what it is that you're trying to do, how it's going to save them money, you know, those kinds of things. Some people are very uncomfortable speaking in public. Others are very, very uncomfortable giving feedback to people that work on their project teams. You know, they may just say, oh, well, Anthony's not doing so well, but I'll just kind of let him slide. So you have to basically be flexible in terms of, you know, you have to identify kind of what your needs are in, in these different skill sets and then, you know, focus on those needs, which I think is another important message, quite frankly, because, which is one of the things we're trying to do with the project management accelerator training that Anne's going to be giving for EMI is we we're building in assignments and some case studies to it, because let's be honest, you may need more work on the cost estimating side of project management as opposed to the project planning side of it. It depends on your experiences, it depends on where you're at. If you need help in something, seek help in it, right? So in our course, for example, you'll work more on the assignment for that session than the other one. And I think that's something to keep in mind just in your career and life in general is that what Ann said in terms of an equation, like there isn't any way that I can tell you to go and get trained on all these different skill sets as an engineer. There's no blanket recipe for you to be a successful, well-rounded engineer. You kind of have to move and flex in with your personality, with your surroundings, with your atmosphere, with the type of projects that you work on. And I think that's important because I do think that some companies tend to enroll people in the same program. Let's take 40 or 50 of our people and put them through the same program. And that program may be a good program and it may work well, but you just might have to grab onto certain parts of that program more than others. You may need to put more time and energy into one aspect of the program than others. And don't be afraid to really focus on the areas where you feel you either are strong and you want to get stronger or there's a bit of a challenge for you there. Going to transition us into the hot seat. We'll be back in just a minute and we'll put in on the hot seat for a few last questions. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, before we put Ann Tomalavage on the Civil Engineering Hot Seat, I would like to take a moment to once again recognize our sponsor for this episode, Mazer Consulting. Mazer maintains a culture that is nurtured through the promotion of integrity, collaboration, and socialization. Their employees enjoy comfortable work environments, continuous career advancement, and the ability to impact society not only through the projects they work on, but the company-sponsored activities available to them. Mazer Consulting is on the cutting edge of technology, and their opportunistic approach to expansion creates personal and professional growth opportunities across all areas of the firm. Leadership's dedication to the well-being of their employees and their families is demonstrated throughout the wide range of benefits and programs available to them. Mazer Consulting has a civil site group opening, several openings in their Clinton, New Jersey office for which they are currently seeking an engineer, project engineer, and project manager. 
If you are interested in any of these positions, contact Michael Weissman at 732-383-1950, extension 3344, and let him know you heard about them on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Again, that's Michael Weissman at Mazer Consulting at 732-383-1950, extension 334. All right, we're back with Ann Tomalavage. We're going to jump in now and put Ann on the hot seat. Ann, you ready for this? I am. All right. So here we go. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a, a morning routine or a lunchtime routine, something that you do consistently on a daily basis that has contributed to your success as a professional? I meditate just about every day, not every single day, but I do meditate. There are a couple of apps that I like to use. They really help me to clear my mind and get the day started off right. And one of the things that I've noticed, if I, you know, there are some guided meditations which are very helpful for relaxing. And relaxing first thing in the day is a really very good thing. But if I just do a timed meditation where I'm thinking or whatever, it's interesting because I always get an idea for a proposal that I'm working on or how to present a certain thing. You know, the ideas just flow right in and it's so, so helpful. When you create that space in your mind, something comes into it that maybe didn't have the space to come into it. Is there a specific app that you recall that you could share? Yes. One is Insight Timer and the other one is called Calm, C-A-L-M. They both have guided meditations I have to admit, what I like, the thing that I use most on Calm is they have these sleep stories. <laughs> and it's almost like somebody reading you a story, you know, like when you were a kid. They have different actors. The guy that was in Game of Thrones, Jerome Flynn, you know, reads a couple of them. That's very relaxing and it's a nice way to fall asleep. On In Calm, there's a 30 day like how to meditate kind of thing. And each day is maybe 10 minutes. The guy who does it is really good. And LeBron James, they just started having eight or 10 sessions, again, maybe 10, 15 minutes each about how he trains his mind. It's amazing. That's really interesting. I'm gonna have to check that out. And the reason I was asking is because I think in maybe like three of the last five episodes on this hot seat segment, we've had three people say that they meditate in terms of a ritual for them on the Civil Engineering Podcast here. And another, in one of our last guests, she mentioned the app Wake. So it's another app, Wake. So um, a couple different apps for us to check out. All right, next question. And what is one book that you might recommend for engineers or just one book that's been helpful for you in your career that you can share with our listeners? As a consulting engineer, anything by David Meister, M-A-I-S-T-E-R. He's written True Professionalism, Managing the Professional Services Firm, etc. He's retired now, but he had been a professor at Harvard Business School. It's not just engineers. He consults with general types of businesses, but primarily professional services like law firms, accounting firms, etc. I have this philosophy that the approach to project management, regardless of your career, is the same. 
you know, there's the same mindset. Project Management Institute, PMI.org, has what they call the Guide to the Project Management Body of Knowledge, and they have 10 knowledge areas. I won't list all of them because I'm not sure I'll remember all of them. No matter what kind of project I'm about to embark on, I like to address each one of these 10 knowledge areas in my project planning. So things like scope management, time, cost, human resource, in other words, um, the team that you're going to use, communication, stakeholders, you know, who are some of the people who can impact your project positively or negatively, procurement, if that applies to your project, and um, risk. Risk is a really big one, you know, that a lot of us say, oh, I've done this a thousand times before, but were you able to access the site every single time? What if we don't? Or what if we can't access the site? What if stuff comes in too late? All those kinds of things. One other one I'll throw out there with David Maester. I know that there's a popular book a lot of engineers read called The Trusted Advisor. I know he is retired because I tried to reach out to him to come on the podcast and he's not really available, but all his stuff is out there and available for you to check out. Two more questions. First one, in your career as an engineer, you've had, I'm sure, several different managers. You don't have to name anyone, but if you think of some of your favorite managers or your favorite manager, what made him or her your favorite? What were some of the characteristics of those really good managers that you had in your career? Probably my favorite was... When I was at that consulting firm the first time, he was my project manager for a couple of projects that I worked on. I liked him best because, I mean, he was very organized, very good communicator, et cetera. But during the seven years that I was at this firm the first time, he was the only project manager that ever held a kickoff meeting. I decided that when I became a project manager, I would always hold a kickoff meeting. It's the most important meeting in a project. That's memorable for sure. And that's and kickoff meetings, just by the way, is one of the things that Anne's going to be covering in the project management accelerator course that we're excited is going to be launching soon. All right. I've got one final question for you, Anne. And we call this the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer, they're working in their career, they're working their way to wherever they want to go. From your experience, what is one piece of advice if you had about 30 seconds with him or her that you would share with them in terms of career advice? This is something that another boss said to me years ago. You don't have to know all the answers. You just have to know where to find them. True. I mean, and I see that a lot actually with younger engineers that are out on a project site and they get asked a question by a client or a contractor, they feel kind of ashamed or embarrassed not to have the answer. So they might throw answers out there, which can be very dangerous, especially when you're dealing with construction projects and the safety of people, of course. So it's a good point. You might not have the answer, but you sure have the capabilities to find it. And if you can figure out where, you'll be able to extract that answer. Once again, Anne, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. As I mentioned, we'll be launching our Project Management Accelerator PM Skills course coming up in March, and Anne will be our trainer. She's been conducting these trainings for many years now, and we're really thrilled to be able to put her content together with the, the same delivery process we've used for our accelerator courses. We're thrilled. So, Anne, thank you so much for spending some time with us. 
You're welcome. Thanks for asking. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ann Tamalavage. There was a lot of interesting points in there. And really, right down to the end there with her last piece of advice is that you don't really need to always know all the answers, but you do need to know where to find them. I think that's important advice for any professional. However, one of the things I do just want to say is that I am really excited to be working with Anne on the Project Management Accelerator PM Skills course that we're launching in March. Again, that's projectmanagementaccelerator.com for all the details. But the one thing I want to say about this course is when I was practicing as a civil engineer, my company sent me to project management boot camp training every year. It was a two-day boot camp in a very nice hotel in a location that was far away from my office and my family. And I got blasted with a lot of great project management information all at one time. And I took a binder back with all that information and put it on my shelf. And I really never got to look at it again, quite frankly, because I got sucked back into the kind of the vortex of all of my projects, right? And projects, meetings, and phone calls, and emails. So we designed the Project Management Accelerator PM Skills course so that doesn't happen to you. They're just weekly calls for about an hour over five weeks. If you're in the team track and you're enrolled with others from your firm, you might have a few more hours of work on your case study and, and final presentation. You've got some transfer assignments built into it to help you transfer the skills back to the job. We're trying to make this a real positive learning experience that can be integrated into your everyday actions because that's the only way you learn. I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, that's projectmanagementaccelerator.com. You can find the show notes for this podcast episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 137, and there you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books, as well as the list that Anne had referenced from her talk that we mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 